Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. We have two winning crew chiefs from Dallas, Neil Strasbaugh and Mark Ingersoll, top fuel and pro stock. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. We're going to talk about their wins and the championship run that both these men are on. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Brian Loans, and we are back after an incredible race in Dallas. Stampede of Speed, NHRA Texas Fall Nationals, uh, fourth race of the countdown, and just an absolute madhouse of insanity. I don't know. This was one of the single greatest races I think I've ever attended. Um uh, it's not something I like to pull out of the back pocket often to say that, but it's also not often that we talk about an event where quickest pro stock field in history, pro stock motorcycle record obliterated, one car away from the quickest top fuel field of all time, upsets, points lead changes, crashes, explosions, fires, uh, you know, flying monkeys, uh, frogs falling out of the sky, country music concerts. I mean, this was absolute bedlam uh, from end to end. And, you know, I really got to start this by uh, sending a heartfelt thank you on behalf of all of us, I think, in the sport of drag racing to uh, Christy Meyer Johnson, to Billy Meyer, um, to their entire staff and crew at the Motorplex. And and I'm not just uh, saying it to, to be a homer here, but they really have made something special at the Motorplex with the Stampede of Speed. Uh, we get to be a part of it, meaning the NHRA event gets to be the crescendo of the entire thing. But as you've well known or well know by now, uh, it goes on for an entire week plus 10 days. Um, country music concerts, as I mentioned, head- headlining acts. I mean, this is not some small-time deal. Huge stage, thousands of people by the tens of thousands, uh, fireworks displays, drone shows, um, you know, the, the Texas Invitational kind of nitro match race they have going on during the week. They have a top sportsman, top dragster shootout they do during the week. They have testing on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, the Fan Fest on Thursday night, and then things really get cranked up on Friday. They have their great house DJ in there. It is a totally fun environment, and the whole weekend just feels a little different. And when you add in what we saw performance-wise this weekend, it really takes the entire thing to the next level and serves to a degree as an example of what creatively I think can happen uh, and continue to happen in this sport as it evolves itself um, and continues to and continues to improve, change, and and do more interesting things to appeal to a, an ever changing fan base. Uh, we had massive crowds. Uh, Friday was great. Saturday and Sunday were just honking. I mean, absolutely honking. Um, trying to get in the place was tough, and we joke about this sometimes in the TV compound. Oh, the traffic was horrible, and I, and I always come back and say, "Thank God." And not that it isn't sometimes annoying to get caught in a traffic jam. Totally is. I'm not discounting that. But thank God we're having traffic jams. You know, think about the races this season. Think about the events we have had over the course of 2023. Think about the places that we have blown the gates down at. And the Motorplex is the latest one of those. So, 
uh, if you left unsatisfied from this race and the only re- and the reason you're unsatisfied is because your favorite driver didn't win, I totally get it and respect it. If you left unsatisfied from this race because you feel as though you didn't see a good show, I don't know what else you'd, you'd want to look for. And, you know, maybe maybe we start with the negative. Um, but the funny car crash between Dale Creasy and, and Dave Richards was horrible. Um, it was a two-car accident. Happened in the first round of qualifying. I was up in the booth with Alan Reinhardt. Uh, we did not make a live qualifying show on Friday, so I worked with Alan in the booth all day, um, like I did on Thursday, calling the sportsman cars. And uh, it was terrible. It was terrible for a multitude of reasons. Thank God both guys got out of the, the cars. They were beat up and banged up and bruised up. Cars were just decimated. I mean, Richard's car is 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 a scrap heap. Um, maybe they can fix the body. I know they can do miraculous things with, with carbon fiber, um, and they'll need to to fix that particular body. Uh, the chassis that Dave was in is an older car. It's a triple frame rail car. It's heavy um, and doesn't necessarily work the way that the more modern designs work. So uh, fingers crossed, and, and I do sincerely hope we likely will not see them again this year. But what I do believe is that, um, and, and sincerely hope, that their partnership with Versatran continues. Um, I hope that that partnership allows them the resources to uh, fix their stuff, uh, replace their stuff really at this point. And I hope they are undeterred because it's been great to have them out this season as much as we've seen them, maybe more than any other year that I can remember. And the evolution of the car has been great. It's not like the thing is static. It continues to get better race after race. And so it's just um, – and listen, Dale Creasy Jr., I, that's not a team that can afford to be to be wrecking cars either. And not that any team really can, but um, it was just a really unfortunate thing that happened And uh, between two people that just – the least – the two people that can most ill afford it uh, happened to be the ones that were tangled up in it. And, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the replays on NHRA.com or you've seen the replays across NHRA's social media. It was scary as it gets. We so rarely have two cars run into each other. So when that happens, uh, it just makes your blood run cold. Um, we blew up a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. Clay Milliken had that insane hydraulicing situation on the starting line where the motor went, I don't know, six feet and just absolutely in hellacious fashion blew to smithereens. Um, multitude of funny cars blew up. John Forrest before the final round, the semis grenaded his car they thrashed they got it ready smokes the tires against Hagen Alex Laughlin blew one up Blake Alexander had a pop Paul Lee had a pop um dragsters uh, also suffered a, a fair amount of damage in these conditions that were just next level part of the stuff I want to talk to Mark uh rather the part of the stuff I want to talk to Neil Strasbaugh about today and our guests are Neil Strasbaugh and Mark Ingersoll it's a crew chief centric show is this idea of um you know, in those conditions, like a little slip up seems like it can turn into a tremendously expensive mistake. So we saw all of that. We saw this top fuel field at the top 12 cars, I believe, were all in the 360s. A funny car field that if you weren't running 80s, then you better hope something happens to the guy in the other lane. Um, and then, of course, in the first round of funny car, we see Terry Haddock take out Robert Height. We see Alex Laughlin beat uh, Ron Caps. Um, I, I just don't know what else you want out of this thing. Pro stock was great. We had a lot of nail-biting side-by-side action there. Of course, the final round, Eric Enders triumphs, grabs another cowboy hat, uh, and puts herself in an 85-point lead in front of the rest of the field going into a racetrack where she is 
the unassailed queen. And it should be noted that her 47th victory, of course, makes her the winningest NHRA drag racer, female NHRA drag racer. Um, but more beyond that, she is the winningest uh, female professional uh, race car driver of any genre in the world, ever. Ever. Uh, that's a can't be assailed. So she's building a legacy that goes far beyond just the uh, just the drag strip. And, um, you know, we talk about how often that team is excited to get to St. Louis or how often that team is excited to get back to Texas. But there is no place that they seem to perform better than Vegas. She's won bracket races there. She's won a just a pile of pro stock races there. If we talk about what she has done in this fall race only, not counting the spring race, if we talk about the fall race only, she's made six final rounds one of three times. So uh, that's going to be trouble for everybody if they cannot figure out what's going on there. Troy Coughlin Jr. has that engine failure, the huge plumes of smoke rolling out of the back of the car, much like we saw out of Erica's car in Bristol last year. And look, in Pro Stock Motorcycle, um, you know, the land of foregone conclusions maybe, the one thing we were I, – I don't know if I was – listen, there's an expectation now, right? We, we've gone the whole season. There is an expectation that that team, meaning Gage Herrera, the Vance and Hines Mission Foods team, is going to win. Let's not kid ourselves. There is an expectation of that. When we go in, we almost wait for something to happen when he doesn't. The thing I was most looking at – most looking, I'm not going to say forward to, but most curious about was if and when they were going to try to break the record. Of course, we know what happens. They didn't break the record. They annihilated it. Took it from a 666 and change to a 662.7. You know, I texted Andrew Hines and I said, hey, just for perspective's sake, consider this. In 1969, if you had a top fuel dragster, a front engine top fuel car, and you could run 660s, you had a pretty good car. So in 1969, a top fuel car with a front motor in it, you know, that's not national ET record, but if you could go out there and run 660s, you had a pretty good car. And now a a motorcycle with a gasoline-burning, naturally aspirated engine is matching and will ultimately better those times. Now, the big conundrum that people say is, well, the, the class is ruined, the class is wrecked, we have to slow this guy down, the Suzukis need more weight. This is the... Um, I don't even know what you call it. It, it is a it is a conundrum. It is a a catch twenty two. It's a catch twenty two. It's exactly what it is. It's a catch twenty two because by adding weight to the Suzukis, you're going to slow down the very people that are trying to catch Gage Herrera. And in drag racing history, at least for the NHRA, there has never been individual rules made. Meaning. Gage Herrera's bike has to weigh 680. Everybody else's bike has to weigh 640. It's always gone by combination. I think it's a very dangerous piece of ground to tread on if you give everybody the same parts, you give everybody the same chassis to a degree, meaning the wheelbase and weight and all that other stuff, and one team is just better at it than everybody else. Can you actually go in and start putting a self-imposed personal, I mean, weight penalty or something on this guy, I really I really hope it doesn't go that way. And I've not heard anybody bring it up, but it is a situation that we are seeing greatness uh, in front of us. I'm not sure when, you know, Kenny Bernstein went out there and destroyed everybody in, what was it, 87 in a funny car, won almost everything inside. I don't think they were talking about hanging 
you know, the Bernstein rule on him. When Don Perdome went out and won six of eight national events, you know, multiple years in a row, uh, no one was saying, well, this guy's this guy needs to be penalized. When Dave Schultz went out and had a season where he was like 42-2, and two, they didn't put the Dave Schultz rule in. So, yeah, we are seeing what is typically an anomaly in motorsports, a, a single team that has the same parts and pieces that are available to anybody else and everybody else going out and just doing masterful things with them, and it goes back to the root of the person piloting the motorcycle. The offseason for so many riders will be spent trying to perfect that early move. And to this point, 1020, the quickest 60-foot time in the history of of pro stock motorcycle was set after they had gone 1021 one round they come back and go 1020 the next and that is not because they have some phantom light motorcycle not because they have some phantom big engine it is because they have a guy who was placed on this earth to do exactly what he's doing right now and he is doing it to a degree and a level that nobody else has figured out how to do yet i say yet because in this sport yet is the the operative word there's no nevers in drag racing. There's yets. Because ultimately, there's somebody either out there or there's somebody here now that's going to figure out how to do it. If not as good, close enough to tighten this gap. But as it stands right now, uh, we are going to coronate a king this year in Pro Stock Motorcycle. I mean, you know, there's a funny thing going around on, on Facebook, which is accurate, that he doesn't have to, does not even have to show up to Vegas and he would still leave the points leader. That's insane. It is, it is Torrance-esque when we go back to the 2018 season of Steve Torrance when they swept the countdown, just they, they won every final they were in. Um, you know, he is, what, nine of, uh, what's he, he's won nine trophies and 11 finals, I guess, right now. And I, I you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do other than to recognize greatness, to celebrate it, and to understand that it's happening within the rules. I mean, they tore the bike down again in Dallas. They went through it end-to-end. They tore the motor out of it. They took the motor apart. They inspected the thing, checked it for bore and stroke, looked at the pieces, looked at the parts. It's, it's, it's not some sort of a voodoo trick that's being pulled here. It is ability, and it is, um, it is the best stuff that you can get, which is, incidentally, available to everybody else. Neil Strasbaugh is going to be our first guest, and the top fuel race is just fascinating. I mean, Leah, Doug, and Steve have pulled away from the pack. They are the lead sled dogs here, and in my opinion, unless something really insane happens in Vegas, they are the ones that we'll be talking about going to the wire in Pomona. Um, You know, for Doug Coletta, this is the best shot he's had since 2019. He's only four back of Leah. When he came into the race in 2019 in his dragster, he was about 30 points behind Steve Torrance. And he goes and races his way to the semifinals where he is going to meet Steve Torrance. This is the moment of the season for Doug Coletta. He beats, if he beats Torrance, he moves within 13. If he wins the race, he now assumes the points lead. Instead, what happens in the semifinals is the car rolls through the water box, he hits the gas, and it shoots the parachutes out. And the car is pushed off the starting line. Steve Torrance goes down the racetrack with a solo. Doug now goes in to Pomona 55 points back, wins the race, and loses the championship by three points. So, you know, 
if 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 there's a team that wants to exercise the demons, you know, if there's a driver specifically that wants to exercise the demons, I'm not sure how many or if any at all of the guys on Doug's car were there in 2019 as part of that team. I know, you know, some of the management, obviously, Chad Head, some of the big parts, the big players at Coletta were all there at the time that are still there. But in terms of the guys wrenching on the car, I don't know how many of them are still on that team. Rob Flynn was tuning the car at that time when it when it happened, and it was it was just a mistake, as happens in any sport, in any activity. There's an error made, and and at that point, it um, it sunk them. You know, uh, three points to the end of the year. It was tough when that happened. I think everybody just was was almost breathless, just jaw slackened. Like I cannot believe that this happened to this guy again. And you know, I could talk all day about Dallas, and and next week's show is going to be our preview for Vegas. We're going to review some of the Dallas stuff, talk about our points leaders and our front runners, and and who we really should be, if not if not giving a second chance, maybe com- not completely writing off, even though they may be too far out. That'll all be next week's topic, but. The Dallas race, to me, was one of the single greatest NHRA races I've ever been to, one of the single greatest NHRA races I've ever witnessed and, and been a small part of. Uh, I certainly hope that translated to your viewing enjoyment, whether it was on .TV or whether it was on our our FS1 broadcast or NHRA on Fox broadcast. Everybody left that place just thinking, my goodness, this is how good this can be. When it's good, it's real good, as we all know in drag racing. And when it's bad, it is real bad. This was real good. And so that's going to end it for my ramble. I, I literally could go on for an hour, I think, talking about this race, all the nuances. Christine Foster had this insane wheel stand and top alcohol. Funny car. The wheelie bar brakes goes flying up. Clark Smiley crashes comp eliminator car. I mean, it was just one thing after the next. That just it was nonstop action, good, bad, and ugly. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Neil Strasbaugh, the crew chief for Leah Pruitt, will be with us. We're going to talk about not only their win, we're going to talk about the St. Louis runner-up. We're going to talk about the environment inside Tony Stewart Racing, which doubled up for the first time ever at the NHRA Fall or Texas Fall Nationals. What a race. The crew chiefs are coming up next. Stay tuned for Neil Strasbaugh. Welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast, our Crew Chief Edition guest kickoff now with the Crew Chief for Leah Pruitt and her top fuel team as part of Tony Stewart Racing. They made the finals in St. Louis, and they just won the race in Dallas. Neil Strasbaugh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's a, pre- it's a great thing to have you on the show today, and, and you know, I got, a couple of, I got a couple of questions for you, but really the first one is, um, you know, how good is... I, I, I should say, how good are things right now at TSR? I mean, you guys double up. It's a huge accomplishment. It's something that we really don't see happen much anymore. So the whole unit, you and the Funny Car team, must be really cranking right now. Yeah, no, that's uh, obviously an awesome thing to pull off. We've had a couple chances with yeah. it um, at, at Norwalk and then in St. Louis. And I feel a little bit better that I haven't been the <laughs> only one dropping the ball on it. You know, I, I was poking at Dickey about that the other night, but, uh, yeah, no, we're, uh, we're having fun. You know, we're honestly though, we, we have fun. We, we've been having fun all year long. Yeah. This is just kind of just icing on the cake at this point. You know, when I look at the team, when I look at Leah, I look at, to me, a unit that is really functioning um, at its peak right now. I think she drove one of the best races she's driven in multiple seasons, and, and there just seemed to be a different 
I'm not going to say attitude, but she just seemed to be in a different place. And you guys obviously have this car on lock. So, you know, that relationship, driver, crew chief, driver, crew, seems to be going as well as the car is performing. Yeah, that's that's a very true statement. You know, we're, uh, we've, we've really got an awesome thing going. We, we all work so hard at it. I mean, there's, I, I'll say it, there's no driver that works harder than Leah at, um, you know, just improving and yeah. having the right mindset and, you know, taking care of herself. She's trying to stay healthy. She just, she just works on it really, really hard. And, uh, she's in the lounge every single run. She's very in tune with every decision that we make. Um, it's just, it's such a team effort. It, it's, it's awesome. The support that we all give each other. These were two very different races, St. Louis and Dallas. And, and oftentimes we hear crew chiefs talk about a, a tuning window Give us a little insight into how big or small the window was in St. Louis versus how big or small the window was in Dallas. Yeah, no, those were, I, I've definitely kind of looked back on that and thought about, wow, that, that is impressive that we, uh, that we ran competitive in, uh, you know, running high seventies whenever that was kind of what was needed. Obviously needed a little more in the final in St. Louis, but it didn't quite respond like it should have. But if it's going to not respond, it's better in a final than yes. a first round. So. <laughs> That's a fact. Um, but yeah, no. It's uh, then obviously going to the stampede of speed. We were all watching the weather that whole week, and I, I mean, I was. Uh, we're all so excited to go there with that weather and knowing that track. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be incredible. Um, my entire goal for the week. Leading up to that, I said, all right, there's 19 cars on property. We have to go down the track Q1. Yeah. That's the most important run of the weekend, in my opinion. And we smoked the tires. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this is uh, – we've just struggled in qualifying. And it's like uh, – I, I feel like through qualifying, I've just been a run or two behind. And we, we kind of get it together by race day, which is obviously the most important. Yeah. But – yeah, no, it, uh, it it was it was fun. Um, I was I was aggravated, you know. Here we run our career best Q four, and and we're seventh on the sheet. That uh, that just kind of kicks your feet out from under you a little bit. Just to think that, man, you know, we're doing everything we can do, and just uh, it, it's kind of dis you know disappointing when you run your career best and, and you're you seventh. see six yeah. other in your seventh. You know, there's like six <laughs> other guys that have absolutely done it better. So it's like, oh, okay, well we just we're not done yet. We just got to keep digging. So, uh, yeah, no, it was just just an awesome weekend uh, from a tuning perspective. The track was so good. It was, uh, you know, just keeping up with that really good air, making sure that uh, the parts attrition was down yeah. and it just really good horsepower, obviously. And, yeah, we did see – I mean, obviously, we saw a lot of everything at that race, but we did see a lot of parts attrition. And is that a function of just how good the air is? Generally speaking, of course, is when we talk about these conditions, I mean, it was like 800 feet or something of density altitude in the first round. How much of a concern does that become then? Because in, in that type of condition, does a small error turn into a potential big catastrophe? Absolutely. That uh, – yeah, it's – and there's there's two sides to that we you know it's uh, it's easy to say well you just need to detune it because of you know the mechanical tune up had that backed off because the area is so good but then you're watching times fall you know Coletta runs 65 off the trailer and it's really hard <laughs> to mentally say well we need <laughs> that we need to detune this thing because of the uh, you know it's just yeah. 
it, it's it really messes with your mind. But uh, ultimately, that's why we didn't go down the track Q1 and Q3. It um, I had it over center, and for Q4, we actually pulled a lot of tune-up out of it and ran our career best. So it was obviously. I'm always learning every run, you know, there's something that you learn and it's like, Oh, okay. I wasn't quite ready for that. And we'll put that in the memory bank and try not to make that mistake again. But it, um, you know, and then the air got even better for the first round. So it was, it, it was just crazy. I think that's, um, the track was just as good first round as it was all weekend. I think just the air was even that much better that that's what was catching guys smoking the tires. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing too. I think when we when we look at this first round, and, and like you said, you got a car that's running in the sixties and you're seventh, and and so that means everybody's got to press. You know, that was one of the things we talked about on the show. It's like we're seeing a fair amount of cars smoke the tires, but it's like you cannot, we can't come forward and say, well, this is a one lane racetrack. It's like no, the guy that didn't have lane choice is trying to make up three or four hundreds that he didn't have in qualifying and he's maybe going to smoke the tires trying to find it so you know that balance like you mentioned is has got to be something and and it's it's got to be so different to go from well i got to tiptoe the car down here i got to run a 77 78 versus a looking across the racetrack thinking if this damn thing doesn't go a 68 i might be in trouble here (laughs) it is insane you know i think uh we the competition level is so extreme yeah anyway it's like i feel like we are just running it to its edge uh, as far as traction concerned it's just there we never drag it up there with the mentality of all right well let's just slow it down and make sure it goes i mean never it's just every run it's like okay just you're praying that it doesn't smoke the tires because it's going to be on edge you know, when we mentioned or we spoke to you at the end of the day, and, and I don't need any specifics, but you said Tony had given you a, a pep talk, and he, he you had said at the time, he can tell you what he said, but in general terms, what was the pep talk? <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with racing whatsoever. He uh, he comes in, and, you know, Mike and I are sitting in there going over runs and thoughts and, uh, you know, everything that kept us up the whole night before. <laughs> he... Uh, <laughs> He, he comes in, and it, I don't know. It may be about, you know, his dogs or, you know, a conversation with him and Leah. But most of the time, it has nothing to do with race. And it's usually joking, and he just cuts the tension. And, yeah. you know, he just, he just makes everybody laugh and have a good time. And it, uh, it goes off the rails pretty good sometimes <laughs> to the point where, actually, I, I didn't even mention it. When I told him, I said, you know, I said, if I had to tell people that, you know, that this conversation was my before first round uh, pep talk, I said, no one would believe me. <laughs> but you'll still have to ask him at some point. But it, uh, no, it, it, it's great. He just, you know, he's won some of the biggest stuff on the planet. Yeah. And he knows how to do that. And he knows that coming in and telling us to try harder won't do anything. It's a great point. You know, that's it's uh, a great point. He just... He he just knows that hey we gotta we got here doing what we're doing let's just have some fun and keep it up you know and the, he had an interesting weekend obviously the the very high of highs both teams winning in the final round in top fuel and funny car and then to a degree the low of lows uh, you know he he was in hot pursuit of a of a world championship and top alcohol dragster um, you know loses fairly early and and Julie goes ahead and locks it up and. 
it doesn't seem like that translates back to you guys. And I think that's a really interesting thing. I, I'm not sure there's a lot of people in racing that could do that, that could not allow the disappointment of that moment not to kind of bleed over into what was going on with his other teams. Well, I, uh, you're exactly right on that. Um, but again, you know, he says one team, all team, and yep. he, he means that. He he supports us like you cannot believe. It's uh, But we support him, you know. Yeah, Whenever absolutely. he's had some downs, you know, we, uh, we try and break that tension with him. We try and pick him up and get him laughing and, you know, just um, – it's a struggle. We all know that. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's a struggle for him in the in, in the NHRA just because you know from a driving perspective, there's really not much he can do yeah. in the car to improve the performance aside from hit the tree well and right. keep it in the groove. So um, you know that's that's a bit of an adjustment for I believe from all the left turns he's made in his life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's a great point. And it's a hundred percent, uh, it's a hundred percent accurate as well. How much is your team, even you personally enjoying? And, and I think you guys are in this unique spot right now, and it's different to me than anybody else that's led the points this year or is leading the points in their class in that. I am not sure many people had on their bingo card, you guys leading the points coming in with two races left. And it's just very slim lead. It's almost a push. But it seems, yeah. it seems to me, though, that that the attitude of your team is different than a lot of others in that you're not looking over your shoulder, and it seems like you're genuinely enjoying the moment. Oh, man, we are. Um, I've you know been in some pretty tight championship runs in the past with uh, the U.S. Army Dragster. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've won against uh, um, Alan Johnson and Brian Houston. I've won by two points against them, and... <laughs> Um, I've also lost by seven points to Antron Brown in 2012. So I've been on both sides of it. Um, but I do have to tell myself through these runs, it's just like, I, I, you know, I tell the crew or whatever. It's like, just enjoy the moment. Yep. You, may, you know, you never know when you're going to get to do it again. So if, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. I, I mean, I love it. It's so many people, I think, do attempt to almost fold in the in the pressure yeah. situation. Yeah, I I live for it. I, I absolutely love it. I, I want the ball in my hands. Like let's do this. So <laughs> I, I I'm loving it absolutely. How many of your guys have championships? Meaning on on the crew, do most of them have championships throughout their career, or the majority of them not? I think we've got three, maybe four okay. that that have not. And um, you know that wasn't ever really. Uh, plan in the beginning we just wanted to hire really good people and um and no and also i I agree with the statement that you know we finished 11th last year and we you know had a pretty good slouch in the middle of this year but it um i could see that people wouldn't have us penciled in right at the top at the end but the way that we've gone about it it doesn't surprise me i just i know how hard that we've worked at it I know how hard the crew guys have worked at it and how bad they want it. Um, and with Tony leading it, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, I guess internally it, it's been the goal. So it's, it shouldn't surprise you. No. And look, I, I feel like to me that the, the coolest wins that I get to see in this sport, and I'm, I'm guessing the coolest wins that teams get to experience are ones where you can look around that entire pit area Every single person had some piece of it. And obviously, you gave Lee a great race card in the final round. 
you know, she goes up there and, and, and drops a 55 in Steve's lap and, and wins the thing on a hole shot. And it's like, that to me is it. Like, if you're going to win a championship, you know, you can't be overly reliant on, well, we have to be 200s better than everybody on every run because that's that's the only shot we have to win. And you also can't be reliant on, I need you to go up there and be 40 or 50 every run because that <laughs> simply isn't going to happen. So, right. like, that, that, whole, that whole team style of victory to me seems like the coolest part. And to have it at this moment and, like, kind of reaching your peak when we get to the peak of the season, you, you couldn't draw it up any better. No, 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 no. Sure. Exciting. And, and so much of that, I, I, I can't tell you how much we have each other's backs. You know, it's, uh, we have a kind of a debrief at the end of every race and we go through, um, you know, as far as the whole crew, I mean, we, we have a meeting in our trailer, Leah's in it, Tony's in it. And we go through the highs and lows of the week, every weekend, you know, we'll go through what I've struggled with, what I'm working on. Um, that way they're just informed, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams, I don't believe do that, but, um, Leah does that same thing. There's days, you know, she's, uh, you know, when she's feeling good, there's days when she's not yeah. doing so well. And, um, she doesn't sugarcoat that. She knows it. She's, she's a big girl. She takes it on the chin. Yeah. So, um, you know, but that doesn't mean that we beat each other up. Right. Cause we know that's not going to fix anything. So we just, we just got to make it better and go to the next one. You know, and I feel like that same attitude is shared across the aisle from you guys on the funny car side because, you know, we know that, you know, Dickie and, and Matt have raced together for so long. They have an, uh, an open enough relationship that, you know, they can look each other in the eye and be like, dude, we need this or dude, I need you to do that. But it's not a, it's not personal. It's not personal. It's a, it's in a positive way, even if it may not come off in the moment. It's in a positive way. You know, we we saw them win in St. Louis and, you know, uh, Tony was telling us the fact that, you know, those two guys can get in a room and and they can get a little heat with each other, but when they leave the room, they know that it's time to do, go do business, and everybody's got the best interest of the of the, the team in mind. Yeah, their their dynamics definitely uh, it's it it's different, but it's also um, the the whole dynamic of that. You know, that team's been together for many many years, yeah. um, and they you're right. I mean, they can they they know what each other's yeah. thinking without even saying it, but. Um, you know, fortunately for us, the Leah and I, we have a really good relationship with uh, with that. We've worked together for, I guess, going on four years yeah. now. But, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. We communicate over the top, over the top. I mean, we we try and leave no stone unturned, whether that's from the tuning aspect, from the driving aspect. Um, you know, we just we work so hard at the team aspect yeah. of just we got to carry each other because. It, it oh my god it takes an army yeah and, and one of the things i a couple of years ago i talked about this and and uh, you know i think there's the the four p's of succeeding um would be people parts uh procedures and process in, in nitro racing that's my opinion and so if you remove one of those p's out of the, the mix whether you don't have the good parts or you don't have the good people uh processes or procedures it, it's, it's not going to work and so to me when we look at these last two races what do you think is going to be the key factor in in success or failure, not just for you, but for anybody? Over these last two, Vegas and Pomona, what are going to be the, the maybe couple, two, three major things that will determine a world champion in this short stretch? That's a really good question that I haven't thought about. Uh, <laughs> oh. And then maybe that's I mean, a good thing. It's, yeah, no, I... Uh, I also, you know, I try and, you know, do the, uh, the kiss statement, you know, keep it simple, stupid. I just, we got here doing what we've been doing. I can't, 
I can't say that we should change anything. You yeah. know, if uh, I I tried to work on getting some small points and qualifying in, in Dallas and yet again failed at that, but and, and that's still the goal. We're going to go out to Vegas and try and qualify as best we can, pick up some small points, yep. but but ultimately, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what we should change. It's just we're enjoying racing. We're having fun, and however it all plays out, it's going to be a battle to the end. It's it's going to be a blast, and it's just, you know, you got to just enjoy being a part of it, and if it works out, that'll just make it that much better. That's a fact. Neil Strasbaugh, thank you very much for taking the time. Great window into the success you guys have had, not just these two last races, but also, of course, winning Norwalk and having strong performances throughout the season. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the week off, and uh, we will see you in Las Vegas. And like you said, you're the guy who wants the ball, and you're going to have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can't wait. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. He's Neil Strasbaugh. We'll be right back in a minute with Mark Ingersoll, the crew chief for Eric Anders. We are back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. Talk to Neil Strasbaugh, the top fuel crew chief that won in Dallas. And now we're going to go to the pro stock ranks. Mark Ingersoll's on the phone. My dogs are excited about it. How are you, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing real good. You know, I, I want to talk about uh, not only the Dallas win, but really the evolution of, of what we've seen this season. Because it has been, uh, even up to this point, it's been a battle for you guys. You're 85 points in the lead going into Vegas, but we don't have to go back too far to think about when 85 points in the lead would have been a dream right yeah for sure uh we started off the season uh we, we pretty good in Gainesville and then I qualified good in Gainesville and then uh the car wasn't started up that first round and yeah. it seemed like it kind of went downhill from there <laughs> and uh we struggled with some different things and uh we finally figured it out like uh it was going into Chicago there first round of eliminations we made a couple changes and uh we were low for the round uh first round so that's when it kind of our season kind of turned around right there and we were on the right track. Yeah, and, and I, I'm wondering, like, obviously your your life has been spent in this sport, and so you've seen the great seasons, you've seen the tough seasons, and so the experience you've had just in racing with your dad and with everybody else you've run with, how much does that help over the course of time when you're just getting frustrated and you're beating your head against the wall? Like, does that give you the idea that you know you're going to get it figured at some point? Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with us having so many cars, uh, you know, I mean, I look, you know, I, I'm, I look at all the data and, and you know, I know we can do it because the other cars are running good. It's sure. just, we had a little issue with her car, but the rest of the cars were doing well. And so we, uh, I'm not as good as last year. We know that last yeah. year was a tremendous season. I think we won 15 races. So <laughs> yeah. that's a lot, you know what I mean? And, and every season's not going to be that way, but, uh, uh, we had a lot of hope. We knew we had good power. It was just a matter of figuring out we had a little gremlin, and we figured out it was something simple and uh, that we had overlooked, and uh, we made a couple of changes over the winter, not thinking they would do anything, gotcha. um, but they were, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> right. uh, They were way more than we thought they would be. So when we just kind of went back, made a couple of adjustments back, and then boom, there it was in Chicago, you know what I mean? But everybody stuck together, and, you know, uh, everybody wants to win and do well, but... Uh, that's something about our team. Everybody sticks together. I mean, we argue a little bit, just like everybody else. Sure. At the end of the day, we're family, and uh, you know, different fight with your brother or sister or whatever. But you're still family, so uh, we uh, we turned it around, and I knew we were off uh, out of that. You know, we I feel like we have a great team and, and a great you know we have a great driver, and it's just a matter of uh, putting it all together. 
it, it's fascinating to me and and you know for a guy like you that's that's been at this you know it's like is this the type of thing that keeps you obsessed with this sport like this idea that you really as much as you have a lot of stuff figured out there are still times when you have to really kind of go into your your memory banks and and go systematically sort a car out is that the type of thing that really keeps you kind of locked into this thing yeah, I mean, the challenges, for sure. That's what I've always kind of liked. For instance, Denver, it's it's such a different yes. race. It's always a challenge, and uh, I've always liked that part of it. Uh, we've had great success out there with when I was with Alan. And, uh, sure. Uh, it was just a different race, you know what I mean? So it was something different. And, uh, you know, with all the cars we have now, like, I'm responsible for basically eight to nine cars a race. So <laughs> That's uh, insane. That's a lot, you know what I mean? So we have different people, but... At the end of the day, I'm responsible. So, uh, you know, have a lot of data to look at. And that's kind of different than most people because, you know, even with KB, uh, they've got different teams. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, yes. all, our teams are all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that makes us quite a bit different than, than that, their team. You know what I mean? So, um, but the challenge is always there. So, that, that kind of keeps you fighting for more. And everybody likes winning and, uh, and going fast. You know, that's why it was Dallas. It was it was really a fun race because oh my god yeah you know, the air was good the track was good and you could really get after it and it was fun yeah and how much of a learning curve was that for you when we talk about you know really overseeing more than a half dozen cars when that when this team really started to grow to the point that it has grown now and your responsibilities kept expanding how much of that what was the adjustment period for you like how do you kind of is it a time management thing like what is the most important part of that aspect of your job well, <clears throat> having good people around yeah. and letting them do their job and just making sure you keep it on the tracks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and they can do their jobs and, and not over, you know, sometimes you have to uh, to kind of step in and, and get everybody back together. Sure. But most of the time, uh, I've got Tim Freeman on my side and, and he helps me a ton. Um, you know, I have Jake Harrison, which he does all of our tuning, yes. our fuel injection tuning, but also talk to Jake. He's very, uh, very, very smart person and very level-headed. Sometimes I get out of control, so <laughs> he keeps me grounded. And uh, you know what I mean. And then you got Richard, who's off the chain at all times. Right. So uh, we have we have a, a diverse group for sure. You really do, and I think that's probably this part of the success of this team is, is like you said, there is a balance in there um, which you need to have, and it doesn't matter if it's a single-car team or what is now basically a nine-car team. You, right. you need to have some sort of a balance, check and balance system in there. And um, right. Let's talk a little bit about Vegas. This is obviously a place where you know Erica specifically has had great success over the course of her career. Give me a little bit of the book on Las Vegas in terms of uh, how a crew chief looks at the racetrack. Um, Vegas is, is usually really good. Even when it gets a little bit of temp, it stays fairly good. Uh, there's some tracks uh, that that are really good when it's cooler, and they go away quick. And, okay. uh, and Vegas is one of the tracks that uh, kind of stays fairly fairly good all the time. It doesn't doesn't fall off as much, I should say, as temperature sure. and, and everything affect it. And I was looking at the forecast. It looks to be super cool out there uh, in the 60s when wow. we run. So uh, high that's for a high. So uh, it looks to be cool. Like right now, it's out there. It's in the 90s, but it shows starting. I think Thursday being the 60s all the way through Sunday. So uh, and just we're kind of getting we're kind of getting for that right now at the shop. Uh, always look and get a game plan, and uh, of course, you know, with uh, Troy Troy's car, 
hitting the wall there with the engine yeah. give away uh we're trying to repair it it's got a little bit of damage but not too bad okay so uh we're trying to get that taken care of and then uh uh just trying to get all the cars ready in general terms, when we watch a pro stock race that happens in in, a, in cool weather, we typically, you know, tire shake. We see a lot of really fast runs, but we also see tire shake. And and what are what would be the root cause of that? Is it because is it because the track is tighter? Is it because the motor's doing something differently? Because it's got all that nice fresh <laughs> air going into it? I mean, what is the reason we see a lot of shake on a weekend where we have really cool temperatures? Well, it, it's like you have you know the motors like it because they have more power, and then. Um, and right now in pro stock, it's really tight. Okay. So you can't really go up there. Uh, you have to go up there to run. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and sometimes it holds. And that's the, the difference between a really super fast run and a shake run is very little. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So uh, you can make the car go up and down the track. Anybody can do that. But, or not anybody, but most people can sure. do that. And, but the difference is that last little bit. And, and it's you're just teetering on a, a, a knife's edge, you know what I mean? So uh, that's why every little thing is important, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it just it's it's always it's always a, a feel, you know what I mean? That's sure. that's the thing you can't get. It's just your experience and your feel and your gut goes a long way there, you know what I mean? And uh, I I kind of screwed up a couple times already in the countdown, like. In Reading, you know, we were super fast on Sunday and qualifying and went up on, you know, we stayed and it, the track was cool and I decided to, and I made it probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. Just, I changed tires and I shouldn't have and it just blew the tires off. And, you know, if you take that back, you know, that cost us a bunch right there. So we should have a, a more of a lead, but I, I just made a terrible call right there. So, you know, I, 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 I look back and I thought, like, man, why did I do that? But you know, at the time, you thought it was right. But yeah. In the end, it was not right. So. Yeah, and I'm guessing is uh, to be successful in the role that you have, you have to, you know, you have to take your take your, uh, you know, licking in the moment, and then you really have to put it behind you, right? It's it's yeah. you have to chalk it up to a learning experience. Exactly. You know, we were watching. I forget what football game it was the other day, and it come down to the kicker kicking a field goal at the last second, and of course he missed it. I said. That's exactly what I felt like the other day. <laughs> I let the whole team down, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we had the fastest car every single run by quite a bit. And that's, once again, I was being aggressive, and I didn't have to be at the time. And uh, I I think we had enough advantage. I didn't have to be. But we were running Matt. You never know what Matt's going to run, you know what I mean? And yeah. Could, it is, it is, yeah. Second, you know what I mean? So that's why I always look at, like, not what they did run, what could they run, you know what I mean? And yep. uh uh, same thing when we run Greg in, in St. Louis. We lost Lane Choice by one foul in the second round, and uh, I felt like, God, that was the race right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Because um, um, it was just enough. To, not that the lane, you couldn't get down, but to go fast enough to be, you have to be aggressive, and the lane just wouldn't take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, for, for, for our setup. You know what I mean? So, uh, oh yeah, and I think listen, I, I think that was that was across the board there, and and yeah. you know not taking anything away. That's a great facility. Yeah. We love racing there. And, and, oh yeah, absolutely. And, but that left lane, that left lane was nobody's favorite, right? Nobody was yeah. nobody was rolling up, going, "Give me that one." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was just one of them deals, but uh, you know, a couple times. But other than that, we've had a good, we've had a, a pretty good uh, countdown, and we'll just 
keep going. I think Vegas is a good race for us. Yeah. So if we come out of there good, we should be in good shape. It was interesting because I think all of us kept saying to ourselves, and, and even Tony and I were saying to the audience on TV, it's like, yeah, well, early in the season, it's like, these guys are going to be there. Like, you may not think so now, but they're going to be there. And we were really starting to say the same thing about Greg Anderson, and lo and behold, he shows up, I mean, with like yeah. a house of fire. And so, yeah. you know... I'm guessing those same conversations happen within the pit area too, meaning, you know, you're not focusing on what other people are doing, but you're also kind of keeping an eye out going, you know, they're on the verge of something over there or it seems like they're turning a corner. You know, you kind of have to be aware of what other people are doing to understand what you need to do to win, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's every, you know, every race. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to fight, Greg. You, you, you know, they're always going to come back. I'm going to America, Greg. Yeah. There's a bunch of good cards out there, but, you know, them two are always going to be right there. Yes. Uh, in the end, you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, you know, the past shows that. Yes. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, you have to look at that. You know what I mean? You have a lot of good new drivers out there, and they all can win at any any time. You know what I mean? So, uh, it's it's tough out there right now. People like think ProStock has gone down, but I'm telling you, I feel like oh, I'm doing this forever. It's yeah. tough. Like, yeah. you got right now, you got all of our cars, all our KB cars, and you got a couple of Magaha cars. There's no room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no room. So uh, you have to. I mean, there's not 30 cars anymore, but there's. I mean, there was 20. There was, there was a ton of good cars. Yeah, 23 cars we had in Texas, yeah. and the the, the quickest yeah. quickest field of all time. And people are like, yeah. "Well, that's EFI era." It's like, no, that is yeah. all time. It's yeah. all time. Yeah, it was. It's tough out there right now for sure. Everybody's close, and I think with the two big teams with ours and KB has made it that way. You know what I mean? Because yeah. everybody has good stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're everybody has really close to equal stuff and. That makes it tight. Who makes the best runs? Who drives the best? Who cuts the best light? You know what I mean? It, it, it all matters. You know what I mean? So before, you know, back when Glidden and them guys, I mean, they were one, they were one, one team. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. they had more power. They dominated. You yeah, they don't, qualify so, the field, uh, they don't qualify the entire field by a tenth. I yeah, mean, that's what people right. forget. You're, people forget that part of it. Yeah. Right. You have more cars, but right now you have, I think, 16 better equal cars than we've ever had. So... And you have the same people working on, like I said, with the same tools, the same everything. You know what I mean? You know, our engine, our engine shop with Kyle Bates and Jake and everybody there, they work their tails off because I think we have like 23 or 24 motors right now. And Crazy. that's a lot to keep up. You know what I mean? So uh, they have get, did a tremendous job of going forward. And, and that's a lot of our success right now. They've, they've come across some power lately and it shows. It shows for sure. We started in, I think, Reading. Yeah, Reading, where we found power, and it's it showed up. So uh, we'll you, see how it goes. When you look at some of the younger guys, you look at a Kyle Bates. Um, you know, I think there was a time period in this sport where people were nervous that, like, well, where's the next generation of young talent going to come from? Like, who? Where are these people? We can't find them. We don't know where they're going to be. I look at a guy like Kyle Bates, and I see, I see that next generation of of young talent. Do you ever, do you ever? Well, two things. Do you ever look at him and shake your head, and do you ever look at him and smile, kind of thinking, man, I made, the, I did this when I was a kid, or I, I've been down that road before, type thing. Yeah, this, you know, Kyle has lived it all. I mean, he. Uh, he lived in the, the shittiest apartment and, you know, everything just to keep racing, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And be involved in it, you know, work for free just like I did. He's a lot like me. He's a, he's an old, you know, he's a young kid, but he, he is so, so talented. People don't realize how smart he is engine wise. And, and I'm, I'm working with him with the car, you know, he helps oversee 
choice car yes. and that's helped take a load off of me a lot yep. you know so we work really good together but as far as the engine stuff he is so talented nobody really knows that but he's tremendously talented so so smart and he's the one that moves us forward and then jake they move our motor forward forward yeah. a lot of people can assemble engines and put parts together but they move us forward move, you know what i mean and that's a different that's oh, yeah. a difference yeah that's so, next level hell i can put the motor together but you know moving it you know what i mean <laughs> right. moving us forward is yeah. a different story you know what i mean so because everybody's the thing they realize is with these engines they've been beat on for so long yes it's hard to find power you know what i mean oh yeah you know, it's just the, the evolutions have come. You know, everybody's tried so much stuff, and it's very hard to find power these days, especially with the fuel injection and the rev limiter. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, you, you just keep beating on it. You just find you have to get in a different box and keep your options open. And, uh, you know, he helps me with, you know, everything. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it, it, it's definitely a team here for sure. Last question for you, let you go, Mark. And when I was talking to Neil Strasbaugh, he said he was the the kind of personality type that he was the guy that wanted the ball in the pressure situations. He he said about you know tuning his race car. I want to be that guy in that pressure situation. Are you the same way? Do you kind of thrive on that? Oh yeah, absolutely. You never, and that's why you're. You know, we we probably are over the top on celebration, but everybody puts their heart and soul yeah. in that. And when you can have success and all the late hours and and, you know, you're being away from your family and uh, yeah. giving up a lot of your social life. Uh, it means a lot when you have success. So that's what makes everybody come to work every morning and stay late. You know what I mean? So uh, you got to keep that keep that going or everybody gets kind of down and um, that keeps the morale up and everybody uh, seems to do good. You get positive thoughts and positive things happen. Makes sense, man. You're you're, uh, you're hoping to, for eight more times to get on the radio with Erica and say, get up on the wheel and kick his ass, right? You just want to do That's that right. eight more times. Yeah, just, <laughs> just do it. No letting down. Mark Ingersoll, he is the man behind so many of these great running cars at Elite Motorsports, and specifically the one that leads the points by 85. Thank you, Mark. I will see you in Vegas. Okay, buddy. Thank you. And now some final thoughts from these Dallas-Texas Fall Nationals, the two conversations we've had with these two crew chiefs that are both hotly pursuing championships and doing so from the lead position in the points, Neil Strasbaugh and Mark Ingersoll. Some similarities there in some of their answers, the intensity, the thriving in those situations of pressure, the obsession with solving problems and overcoming challenges to make their teams better, and, of course, the discussion really about leadership, about how these teams function internally. It is something that I continue to be fascinated by and always will, the human dynamic not behind the wheel necessarily which is interesting but behind the wrenches behind the the ropes in the pit area how that whole thing works and it works differently for every team out there thanks very much for listening or watching this episode of the nhra insider we will be back next week we will be previewing las vegas we will be live again in the pits in las vegas if you haven't watched it yet check out our insider live that we did in the pits at the texas motorplex you can check it out it's me and tony pedragon we're joined by not only Ron Caps, but of course Phil Burgess, the editor of National Dragster Magazine, set up the race weekend and talked about a lot of the different things going on in the universe of NHRA drag racing. Big week of news on tap for this sport and for this sanctioning body. Make sure you stay tuned to all the social channels. I guarantee you're going to want to know what's going on this week. It's big, and it's great, and it is another step forward for the world of professional and sportsman drag racing. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of the NHRA Insider. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back next week with Tony Pedragon and all the hot takes you can stand as we get ready to head to the desert 
the city of Las Vegas for the second to last race of the 2023 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series Tour. Thank you.